Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Strength to be Human. We're doing another wonderful interview segment. As you know, they're always very precious because the scheduling and, and people's lives can be complicated. So it, it's a rare treat, and I'm always happy to be able to finally get a, another one in there. Uh, we're, we're welcoming back a, 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 a wonderful writer, uh, someone that's a, across the pages of Aerial Chart. Uh, she has an, a numerous projects out. Uh, Big Questions, Little Sleep, uh, The Sea's Secret Song, Pairings. And my favorite, uh, that uh, faith element, uh, Linda Embler. Uh, thank you, Linda, for joining us. Thank you. I am very pleased and honored to be here, really and truly. Thank you, listeners. I normally like to um, mention the episode number, but in this particular case, I know it's going to be in March, but I'm still putting together the schedule, so forgive That's me fine. about that. But it, it'll it'll be out in early March. Not that far away. No, it's not. <laughs> Now, uh, Linda has the, uh, the, the wonderful um, honor of being my uh, first interview uh, subject <laughs> when I first started this show, and uh, she chose to, to do the more selfless thing by talking about more of the mechanics of writing, which is great, but I'm happy now that we can have her back again uh, because uh, she can talk more about her projects and maybe some new things she's doing in, in, you know, in the near future. You bet. Now, my most recent project with you was that fifth element, which I, I really, really loved. Um, it was great to have all the different, um, I, I guess you could call it like uh, seasons or, or elements. Uh, you, you know, to me, it's like seasons, elements. And, and of course, uh, I, I really liked the cover. It was the first chance I was able to, chance to do a cover for you, so that really actually worked out. I really love my cover. You did a great job. Yeah, it really worked out, so I was happy about that because... You know, I was like, oh, great, I get to do a cover for Linda. And then I'm like, oh, great, I get to do a cover for Linda. Why much if she hates it? <laughs> you know? I would tell you. <laughs> I know, I know. But the funny thing is I, I did like 7 billion of them, right? And, yes. uh, and And then the last one, you're like, okay, let's go with that. And then I wound up coming up with another one, and that's what we wound up choosing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, never, never stop until you're ahead. That's the rule. Well, I, I just, I don't know, I just, something, something came up with me, and I'm like, let me try this, and then it worked out. I'm like, oh my God, this is better. Perfect. So, yeah, I was just, uh, I was surprised by that, but uh, I was happy, because um, I, I don't dislike doing them. It, it's just that, uh, unlike writing, I don't really feel I have a full command, and um, I have to do a whole lot more misses than hits, you know? I understood. Yeah, so. Just like submissions. Yeah, that this is very true, but I, I still feel, at least... Somewhat confident I might get picked up. I mean, with these covers, you just never really know. Yeah. No, you did a great job. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I love this book, too, for several reasons. Yeah, it is definitely distinctly different than the, than the other ones that you, you put out. Yes. Yes. And I do try and, I do try and uh, stretch, to stretch myself some on each book and try something just a little bit different. Just like I enjoy trying to write different types of poetry. Yeah. I 
put my toe in some of those waters. So that's been exciting. But this this was a, a cool book to put together because I have so much work out there. Um, and I'm just OCD enough to want to frame it somehow that it's going to make sense, at least to me. And I figure if it's going to make sense to me, it's probably going to make sense to the readers too. It's a little easier for them. So I've kind of compartmentalized things without taking away from the creative act because that's the poetry itself that was already the creative act. And then you've got the create creative act of putting the book together after that. So yeah, all in all, I'm, I'm really glad how it came together. Uh, me too. I was really, uh, I was really happy with it. I remember when you first described it, I'm like, uh, yeah, how are you going to do all this work, all these different elements? That's, that's to me, it sounded like it was going to be hard. You know, so I was glad you were able to pull it off because I know if I had that idea, I'm like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my idea for the book was to take the four elements, water, air, fire, and earth, and then under poetry's arc have writing that um, incorporated poems about water, air, fire, and earth. So – that's where that fifth element comes from because that is the poetry part. And it's an essential, you know, the, the other four are real essential for life. But then when you throw poetry into the mix as the fifth element, you realize how essential that is for human eyes to read and for us to hear it and for us to feel it. So that, that was kind of my um, – my mantra as I went through it, you know, what's going to be something that people want to read about a water topic, say, for instance. And I found a lot of different ways to envision the four elements from a lot of different angles. So and that was exciting, too, because, on, say, for instance, on the water, you know, I had floods, I had tears, I had ice. There were just uh, the, a whole bunch of ways to, to put things together. So that was cool. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was enormously uh, creative, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm glad she's doing this and not me. Because, you know, I, I first thought about the water. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So she does a, a poem about a water bottle, and then she does a poem about a frozen lake, and then some kid cries. And I'm like, how much can you do about water? But apparently you can because you had a lot of different angles on it. So that's why yeah. I, I was limited in my own ideas. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I'm glad that she's doing it, though. Yeah, yeah, I I had quite a few from all sorts of different angles, you know, like army in the clouds was an, uh, a friend sent me a picture of what looked like a soldier in the sky. And she said, would you write a poem about that? Every once in a while I do custom work for certain people. And I did this for my friend Vita. So the army in the clouds was about an actual army in the clouds, you know, people who had passed on that had fought in wars. And so that's where that one came from. Then, yeah, that was one of my favorites. Yeah. The Neptune's Choir was, uh, which I wrote after Katrina, and I kind of stick that one back out there after every flood that happens, you know, when they mm -hmm. had a, Puerto Rico got flooded, and, oh, then they had the horrible flooding in the Midwest. Um I kind of bring that one back out because that one's very that, that one's got some really cool lines in it. So I I liked that one a lot. Then I had one called a backyard incident in St. Louis. Um, my brother almost drowned 
years ago when we lived when we actually lived in St. Louis. We had some neighbors that had a pool. He told them he knew how to swim. He didn't. Um, so, but luckily they were able to save him and everything. But it, it's written from the stand. But that's one of my what ifs, and you know I'm really big on what ifs. Mm-hmm. What if something different? What if we'd been younger? And what if something else had happened? So I kind of I couldn't actually touch the incident itself. You know how you know how when things are scary or upsetting to you, you kind of, you frame it a little bit differently in a poem without coming right out and saying this, this, and this. You say that, that, and that yeah. instead. And it, it kind of has the same thing. Um, I had a poem in there underwater called Whaling, which is about whales, about all the plastic in the sea. And it's all about whales throwing out all the junk that we've thrown into our oceans. And uh, that's their message to us and what we're supposed to be doing. So do you want me to go on or do you want to ask something? Or? No, no, I, I, I like that. It was great to have some of these descriptions and, and some of the backstories on, on some of this. I always thought, wouldn't it be great to have a poem about a whale that actually gets all the trash and throws it back on the land like, hey, get this crap out of my house. <laughs> well, that's that's what that's what whaling is. Yeah, it's, it would be great to have that, you know. It's just like yeah. I, I, that's why I like that so much. I'm like, yeah, we deserve that. Yeah, well, we we sort of do. We need to figure out what we're going to do. Not that I want to get off on the tangent about that, but you're absolutely right. We need to fix our oceans. Um, an air, I had quite a bit there. I had fun writing. Uh, Theros Bequis or Breath de Carpo, because that's part of mythology. And that, that mm-hmm. was really cool. And I'm a real mythology freak, but I could sit and write nothing but mythology all day long if somebody let me. And so I'm glad nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could get really bad. Um, let's see. Uh, I have The Bird, which is one I wrote for my husband, Mike, for Valentine's Day. And uh, Bad Breath about the rumor mill. It's really irritating to me that rather than talking about people, rather than talking about ideas, you know, talking about people. So I wrote Bad Breath in that. Um, Let's see, where Chief once stood, that's, we have a very large Native American population in Kansas, lots of different tribes. And I taught, when I was a teacher, many different uh, American Indian kids, and so... I wrote where Chief Wentz stood out of respect for that population. And then Spin, I mean, I am in Kansas, so, you know, we're the land of tornadoes. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know other people have tornadoes too, but we have our share. Mm -hmm. You really do. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's just kind of, oh, and then I wrote Inga, which was a tribute to to Dad Ying, who died of cancer. Yeah, yeah, I I had her in my magazine and... Yeah. She's one of the first people to write a review of one of my books uh, some years back. So, yeah, oh, she was always she was always really cool. Wonderful person, well, absolutely wonderful person. But I know she's up there on our side now. So, uh, and fire, I wrote one called Incendiary, which actually my friend Tim Sanders put it together in a video. I did the reading, and he did all the music and the visuals on it. It's about domestic abuse. And how this one woman only found one way out. And I won't tell you what that is. Huh. You have to read it. 
by the book. Um, <laughs> John the Baptist was fun. It was a different take on his baptisms. And here's another one where I brought some ecology into it, uh, talking about acid rain. What old portraits worn was basically be careful to, you know, be careful. As a, a form of learning how to do things and how to survive. Cathedral was cool, too, because I was I went to a, the historical Orpheum theater here in Wichita to see Johnny Rivers about a year and a half ago with a friend of mine. We're sitting there, and it's a beautiful, it's, it really is historic. I mean, original ceiling and glass and everything. I'm looking around, looking around. I thought, man, this place looks and sounds like a cathedral because I see lots of concerts there. And I thought, okay, here we go. So got the phone out, got the voice memo going. I'm sitting there. Everybody around me is looking at me like, oh, huh. what are you doing? You know, I'm composing a poem. What do you think I'm doing? Anyway, um, let's see. Then the last one was Ur, and I know you're familiar with this one, Mark, Cave Thinking, about the dystopia. <laughs> you know, I'm not really a chicken little, but... Yeah, uh, that was funny. Yeah, that, that, that's a really, really fun poem. I wrote, I wrote one called Buried Treasure, which was promoting organ donations. You know, I mean, we bury people with all their parts when some of those parts can be used... For others, not everybody's an organ donor, and not not everybody wants to be. I understand that, but I'm asking you to at least consider it, folks. Uh, quaking has to do with the earthquakes. You know, since when they started all the uh, fracking in Oklahoma, we started getting some. We've always been near a fault line in Wichita, which freaked me out when I found out about that. So I always thought, okay, San Francisco's got all the earthquakes. Yeah, no, I think of earthquakes. I definitely don't think of Kansas. Yeah, well, believe me, we've had our share. Now, we don't have major, major ones that, like they do in Japan that knock half the buildings down and everything. But, for instance, our eye doctor, uh, two years ago, when we after an earthquake, when we went to have our appointment, one of the pictures had fallen down off the wall. That's as close. We've never had anything fall off of a wall yet, thank goodness. So, uh, but things do swing around every once in a while. And if, if you're if if I'm sitting on the bed or I'm sitting in a certain chair, I, it just starts going sideways. I mean, it's like Dorothy in the tornado. <laughs> yeah. We're a bit back and forth. That's pretty freaky. Um, let's see. And then, um, oh. Thin Reads is kind of a cautionary poem about knowing your own heart, you know, rather than just following the status quo. I mean, really knowing which it is you believe. That's kind of metaphorical. There's there's quite a few that are kind of metaphorical. But anyway, that's um, pretty much some of the stuff that's in this book that I hope everybody will read. Yeah, it was definitely my, my favorite of the three because I, 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 I kept saying to myself, well, if she could pull off the elements, then each one of these are going to have sort of a uh, like a, a, a mini world to themselves, you know, and, and, and that's really how it came out, you know? yeah. which is also scary, too, because if you can't do it, it's like, oh, so it's just it's incredible you're able to pull that off and, and, and be yeah. distinct. Well, thank you. I could have really stunk. You're right. But luckily it didn't. So, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. That was definitely. I, although, as much as I liked that project, I liked the pairings a lot. The one before it, because yes. there were some real fiction stories in there that I really liked and, and kind of gravitated to, especially that robot teacher one. And oh, oh Isaac's robot. Yeah, 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 I liked that one a lot, and uh, I always remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was that one was another one that was fun to write, and it actually got down on paper pretty quickly compared to what some of the other ones are. It, it kind of depends on how much I know about a topic, and it kind of depends. You know, since it had to do with schools, they made it a little bit easier since I have experience there and with kids, especially with disabled children. So that one was really, really fun to write. Um, it came down pretty quick, like I said. Yeah, I like, I like this, that one a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had some real cautionary tales that I have had published other places uh, that ended up in pairings. And what I like about pairings the best, I like that whole, you know, you and I have talked about hybrid writing, mm -hmm. hybrid sorts of things. That kind of gave me the idea for pairings. I thought, well, well yeah, I've got all these stories, but I also have poems that kind of could be twinned up with these so i'm going to give that a shot so when then when i started looking at things and things started falling into place i go oh man this is going to be a cool book it really is and then and, and it is so that's another one folks pairings by linda imbler please <laughs> yeah like that was one of my definite favorites i like there's a lot of good fiction there i like in that particular book there was one story i'm trying to i just don't remember the name of it but it was one story about uh these people uh, messing around with uh with society and they wind up having some horrible consequences. Another one of those uh, what if, you know. Oh, that's the one uh, where they wanted to make the earth lighter. Yeah, yeah. And they misunderstood. I, they, somebody, somebody misunderstood what the word light meant and rather than taking it as sunshine made it having to do with gravity. Again, that's all I'll say about it. I don't want to give a lot away. But, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool one. Yeah, I like the uh, what-if types. Uh, you're really good at those, those kind of uh, stories. So hopefully we'll, we'll have a book out one day where you maybe just sort of fiction. That would be nice And because uh, you, you have a lot of strength in that, in that particular form. You know, because you, you, if, I tell people all the time that the difference – between poetry and fiction, or all the all the other genres, is that each one is really built to carry a certain message. Like you can't do Isaac Robot in a poem. I don't care how brilliant you are; it's just not going to work. It's not going to have the same impact as a fiction piece, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Isaac's Robot was meant to be a story. Yes. So you're absolutely be nice to have a whole book of that one day. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I'll work on it. I've got one. I haven't been writing a lot of fiction, but I'm. I kind of go in and out of the fiction category. So yeah, I'll, I'll write more sometime. Yeah, yeah, we can get around to it. I'm not, you know, saying tomorrow or something. Oh, but yeah, definitely. Well, I, definitely, it, it's one of your strong suits. So um, I'm, I'm definitely happy to to, to see uh, more more of that because. Um, okay. Some of those stories really, uh, really kind of captured my uh, imagination. I think a lot of people would appreciate them too, especially since they um, they have a certain subtlety to them that you don't normally get in shorter fiction. Because usually, shorter fiction is, is, is sort of built on 
sort of impatient urgency. Boom, boom, boom. We got to get this over with and done. You know, and yours uh, kind of plot along and you don't realize it until you're like, oh, what the heck am I in the middle of? So it, it's kind of clever that way and, and tricky. And I like that. Yeah. Oh, I like the tadas at the end of my stories. You know, those were always cool. Those were, no, those were fun. That's probably one of the most fun parts of it is doing the big ta-da at the end or the big, what did she just say? What? Where did that come from? Yeah, but, it's like the early, early M. Night when he was directing those first three films. They all had that same kind of, you know, tricky ending at the end. You're like, what? Oh, you know? yeah. 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 Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember the Sixth Sense. The Sixth oh, Sense. God. And then he did, then he did, um, um, that, um, um, that, what is it called? Um, well, there's that, signs and there's the village. Yeah, signs. And... No, it was the, they did the glasses, a sequel to that one, um, something about Unbreakable, I think it was called. Oh, yeah, he did yeah. that trilogy. Yeah, that, those, uh, those first three movies he did, Signs, oh. uh, was it uh, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs. All of them had that kind of a tricky ending yeah. to it. It was Unbreakable, Split, and something else. And James McAvoy just rocked it and split. It was just amazing. But, yeah, cool. Yeah, I, and he's probably amused. I hadn't really thought about it, but I'm sure he is. Great guy. And I love the way he's always in his movies. That's really cool to see him do cameos. Yeah, I think it's a long tradition of people wanting to do that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. You know? Um, and... I, I know uh, Hitchcock was famous for that, and uh, Stephen King's always been. In Stephen all King's, uh, but yeah. the difference yeah. is, is that you're a director, He's and then you're doing a cameo versus like Stan Lee, who didn't direct anything, you know, just did the comic book, and then he's in it, you know, and then of course Stephen King, who just wrote it, you know, but other than that, so yeah, it's a little, a little different that the director's actually in it. So there's a few of them that do that, not all of them, but a few yeah, of them like to Mike, do that. Yeah, when Mike and I watched. Um, the uh, Avengers series, we we always look for you know we always look for that little Stanley <laughs> cameo. We knew it was going to be in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, it's too bad he passed because we won't be seeing him anymore. But no, um, but they put a little uh, they put a little cameo of him in there in Endgame. Even I don't know if everybody spotted it, but took some old footage and kind of made something cute there. So that was cool. Anyway, maybe they'll keep doing that. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah. So what what have you been doing like uh you know lately that you think might be a possible future project? Do you have something that you're putting together? Oh, uh, Lord, I'm I my my brain is always on high alert. It's just crazy. <laughs> high alert. I'm, I am right now. I have. Uh, I'm working my very first book, Big Questions Little Sleep, which is about time and death. Uh, I'm putting out a second edition of that. I've got 66 new poems to put in it. Uh, the foreword right now is being written by a well-published poet friend in India. Oh, great. Uh, I'm, I, yeah, I'm going to change the back cover so slightly, very slightly in terms of what I information I put on there. I'm going to change the front cover except for the picture, which is a picture of me, my dad, my grandma, and my great-grandmother. All four, all four generations. I'm going to keep that picture because that's what inspired the book in, in the first place. Was looking back and realizing I'm the last one out of that group there in that group picture. Um, so I'm going to change the cover, change the colors 
that I have on it and everything. And of course, it's got to have second edition on there too. I need to get an ISBN number for it. I, I'm just kind of working my way through it. Um, I've written a book which isn't out yet. It's called Bus Lights Travel Sites. And uh, right now I'm trying to reposition the photos because I actually put some photos that I took from this trip. It was a bus trip and it went through five states and we saw uh, just all sorts of stuff. I mean, we spent four days in Nashville. And if you think I wasn't excited about that with my love of live music and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, touring the best musical landscapes that they had. When we went to the Grand Ole Opry, we got to go backstage, the Grand Ole Opry, uh, Country Music Hall of Fame, there were guitars. I don't, I don't know if any, there's probably a lot of listeners that don't realize that my husband and I build classical guitars and I am a guitar player. But, oh, the guitars were just amazing, just absolutely amazing. Hang on just a minute. <coughs> okay. Sorry. All I'm right. That's, that that's good to have some interesting projects to look forward to. That that but that bus uh, um, project that definitely sounds uh, fun because I, I know that you're very involved in in music and I know you like traveling those places. I mean, Nashville is, is what like the capital of country music or something. So it, it, there's a lot of stuff going on there. It's Music City. It's <laughs> what they call it. Music City. Music City. Yes. Um, you'd think Memphis would be Music City, but actually Nashville's considered Music City. But Memphis is on my list. I just haven't gotten there yet. The, one of the things that I really, really like about uh, bus lights, travel sites, and when you when you get around seeing it, you, I used a lot of really unique imagery in it, and that was cool to do because that was something new for me to kind of branch out a little bit and I think it came off pretty darn well um, in fact Ozzy and uh, you've, you've published Ozzy and Elvis yeah and then there was another story uh, not not a story another poem in there called Hooch um, again folks Kentucky now legally can sell Hooch there's actually a store that you can go to that you can buy hooch, which I did while I was there. It's still sitting on my bar. I haven't, I've smelled it, but I can't, it's like Everclear. I can't bring myself to take a drink out of it. Yeah, I, I remember when I went in the Air Force in, in Texas, and then we went up to, up to the border over there, Oklahoma, to buy some of that. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, my God. I drank some of this. I'm like, I don't really see what the whole fascination is over here. I mean, oh. I could probably put this in a lawnmower and start it up, so I don't know why am I drinking it. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's the other use for it, besides making people happy and giddy, is to put it in lawnmowers. Let's see, uh, what else am I doing? Doing um, Okay, I had two New Year's resolutions. One is to learn how to write haiku, and I have actually written some haiku, although I haven't published any of it. And I need, I'm, going to want, I'm trying to learn how to write sonnets. Now, that one's going really slowly. I haven't been seriously sitting down with a pen. And working on that. But I did work on the haiku quite a bit. So, see, I'm going to be uh, reading some of my work on Songs of Salah, the radio show in April. Um, okay. I was asked by a poetry site if I would write some reviews on some fiction books, which 
I've been, I, of course, I had to read them you know, yeah. to write the review. I've, I've got one read and one reviewed, and I'm working on uh, reading the other one. It's pretty long. And I'm I, off in the distance, you know, speaking about my what ifs and my love of the sky and the sea and all that business. I'm working through a collection called Speak as Frequency. And it's my perspective on the here and the there. So it's going to have earthly things and then things that are kind of out there, you know, esoteric sort of things. Because I like writing those sorts of things. So that's pretty much what I have on my plate. And then in between, you know, helping Mike work on the guitar, uh, he's pretty much to the point where he's doing everything himself because I can't, I don't have to hold the neck for him while he works on it. He's got his own way of doing that. We've bent the sides and everything. The body's done. So, yeah, so that, that'll be done pretty soon. But that's kind of what I've been up to. These are, then, these are acoustic guitars that he's creating? These, these are uh, classical guitars and steel string guitars. Uh, this is his third steel string that he has built. Uh, this one is based off of a Martin guitar uh all of our guitars are off of some kind of plans for instance our very first guitar maggie that's sitting right here next to me she um she was lost my train of thought there what were we talking about we were talking about oh we're talking about what they were yeah okay she's based off of a 1934 um that was played by Andres Segovia. Oh, okay. So, Definitely familiar yeah. with him. And, and then Riley, my second guitar that I have upstairs, is uh, named after B.B. King, and that's the very same plan as Maggie. So those two are exactly alike. Do you give this, names to all of these guitars? I do. No. But, you know, you know, people name their stuffed animals. I mean, No, they're not wrong are, with it. I was just wondering. Yeah. Also weird like that. Of course, I name them. I, I name every rabbit that comes through our yard. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm very strange that way. I That's, name pretty much everything. I'm glad I don't name all my gummy bears because that'd be a problem. Oh man, uh, you would have to be knowing 50 different languages to name all your gummy exactly. bears. I think that that could happen. I just yeah, I just ate Sylvester. What the. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you know, and I was one of those kids that I never could get myself to bite the head off an animal cracker. Huh. You know, I'd have to put the whole thing in my mouth and just pretend like I didn't eat it, you know, because taking their little legs and their heads off, that was just too much for me. I'm, I'm that, I was that sensitive about things like that. But anyway, so what? what how, how long does it normally take to make one of these guitars? About a year. Holy, it takes just about a like year. a whole year just for one guitar? Well, yes, because wow. there's a couple things that happen. There, there are certain parts that you let set a little bit, but most of it has to do with the weather. The, you have to be careful about the humidity. We don't have a uh, – Robbie O'Brien, who lives in Parker, Colorado, who is the one that created the videos – for us to watch to learn how to do all this in the first place, and uh, in addition to our own bad trial and error, he um, has a weatherproof 
studio that he builds his guitars in. So he might have nine or ten going at the same time because he doesn't have to worry about it. He can do little bits of pieces of here and little bits of pieces of here. We have to do part of ours in the kitchen. We do part of them in the dining room table. We do part of them in the garage. I mean, but if it's too cold or it's too wet, if there's too much humidity, we can't take the wood out there in the garage and work on it. So we have to kind of piecemeal everything together. Well, I, I, got, I, I got a venture to guess then. People who want to buy these things, you know, probably really love guitars and, and, and playing them and all because I, I I assume if you work on something for a year, it's, it can't be something that's inexpensive. Well, no, they cost about, they're, they're probably about $2,500 a piece and we're actually not going to sell them. We're going to donate some of them to uh, Guitars for Vets. Oh, great, great. That's what we're going to do. So, um, you know, we may eventually sell some. I don't know. You know, they all get played <laughs> at some point or the other. Yeah. So that takes part of my time, too. I hear you. I wish I, I, wish I could play a guitar. I'm just not musical at all. I always love it. I love a big lover of music, but zero talent in that. It's always just been well, about the writing. You know what? Get yourself a teacher and don't sell yourself short and see what happens. I'm serious about it's that. It's just hard because it, it, I, I just find it to be so daunting, you know? Well, it is for me. I mean, I am so non-musical. My sense of rhythm is just so pitiful. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't even believe it. And it's all mathematical, and I'm more of a literary guy. It's all, to me, music is really math, you know? Well, yes and no. A lot of it has to do with memory. You know, you have to remember which string you're on, and um, you have to have some kind of dexterity in your fingers to be able to play guitar. Oh, my God. So, this is, already this is getting difficult. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, get a teacher. Don't sell yourself short, and you'd be surprised what, you might, what might happen. Well, to me, music is a lot like the beach. I love it, but it would be a whole lot better if it didn't have any sun and you have any sand or any have any heat, you know? And if there weren't other people there? <laughs> no, I don't care about that as long as it's not, you know, people trying to put on a size 2 and they should have a size 22, you know? You get a lot of that. So you don't mind the Frisbees flying by? I don't, I don't. I just don't want to get hit by a, a ton of blubber, you know? Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, but anyway, that's what I kind of what I've been doing. So, um, and that's my book. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I've been. No, that's pretty much it. Yeah, well, you have a really interesting life because most people are just sort of um, happy with one, you know, creative endeavor, like myself, just writing and that's it. You know, um, but you're, you're doing that and, and the whole guitar work, which itself is definitely an art. It's not it's not a joke. Um, well, it's akin to painting or sculpting or anything else. It's, it's definitely an, an art form. It, it, playing is an art form. Uh, the building is, is a craft, a real craft. And uh, Mike is very good at it. I am only his able-bodied assistant believe me if i had to sit down and do one from scratch by myself i'd probably the neck would probably be coming out the side and uh i don't know if i would even remember to put the stuff on to attach the strings i mean it'd be pretty sorry so oh yeah telling me i just i salute him and say yeah i'll help you i'm gonna watch you as i'm eating a donut that'd be about it <laughs> i'm serious 
I'm not I'm not crafty on any of this stuff. So it's yeah, it's always this is, um, this is, Yeah, this is a gummy bear donut, isn't it though? No, 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 no. Oh, no. Well, shoot. You're kind of slacker. No, this is a, this is a, home, a homemade keto donut. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I try to oh, keep my, my sugar God. down. <laughs> yes. Well, we're all trying to do that. No, and, no, uh, no doubt. Yeah. I'm glad that you guys are out there doing that, a donation to the vets, of course, is, is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Definitely something close to my heart. In fact, we talked, we talked a bit about veterans today in one of my other interviews. Uh, a woman had wrote a, a fiction book about 15 veterans and, and some of the issues they were facing. And, and it was, okay. it was a beautiful venture and it was a, a great interview to have. So it's always wonderful to talk more about that and see people do something to try to help those uh, folks because uh, we had mentioned uh, and you probably uh, agree to a certain extent that you know it, it seems like uh, Hollywood likes to just put out all these stereotypes that every time they have a veteran on, on one of these shows they're, they're always a lunatic with a gun who's got to get revenge for something you know and I, I find those things to be uh, not only hurtful but, but harmful for you know real veterans out there who are trying to put back their lives and they don't need that kind of nonsense it really is a form of bigotry well, I can I can write some of the things I write and not be taken out to the firing range because of vets to keep our land free. That's just my feeling on it. Yeah, she was very um, she's very ardent and vocal about it as well. So it was great to to have that on on, on the show. And I, and as you know, I'm a veteran, so it's always something close to my heart. So. I'm always, yeah, I'm always happy to hear is, that. Yeah, my husband is too. Yeah, so, so it's it's it's, a, it's yeah. definitely a, a beautiful thing to give back, you know, with with his hands and with his heart. So that's that's a great yes. thing. Yes. It really is. Absolutely. I'm hoping. Absolutely. I don't know if it's in a month or two, but I'm hoping to get a fellow on that that does metal sculpting. I'd be interested to hear about that. So. Oh yeah. I like to get some different things on on board on the show that beyond literary. Not that literary is not important, but it's nice to see other art forms. Whenever I can get a hold of somebody that's, you know, willing to talk about it. Well, yeah. And, you know, to go back to my first show, just real, real briefly, um, you know, the whole point of that show was to talk about creativity, just not in the literary field, but in any field. And so I think from that first show, those steps that I talked about that people go through to go from point A to point Z and from the start of their creation to to the uh, big culmination, I bet he would have a lot to say about how his what his process is. I had a woman a few weeks back that had just started a couple of years ago writing, and uh, she is not bad at all. And uh, but she wanted to improve, which is always a good sign. And I, I had her yes. listen to your interview. I said, "You got to listen to this woman's interview," and and you have a good idea about how you might want to reinvent yourself. And in the end, you might not do every step that Linda did, but in the beginning, it might be a big help for you until you can kind of pare down what you find is, you know, best for you. Good, good. Well, I, I wish her luck with all her stuff. I, I really do. Anybody that wants to be creative, I wish them luck because, uh, but there are, there is process to being creative, although some people say, well, no, it just comes out of thin air. Well, yes and no. Uh, even that are good paint things have a process. They, they 
go through a series of steps to get where they're going. Now, each creation might look totally different from the other one, just like a lot of our poetry looks different, you know, from the other pieces we wrote. But to get there, you have to follow some kind of a process. You may not be well aware of it unless you really stop and think about it. But even with the guitar building, there's there's a process. You have to, um, you know, you have to put one foot in front of the other, so to speak, you know, to get from point A to point B. And you do that with a pen. You do that with a paintbrush. You do that with a, a welding torch, which is probably what this guy uses in part. Uh, I'll be in, I'll be very interested to listen to that. I, I've been I've loved all the shows because. There's so many different types of writers out there. There's so many different types of uh, thinking. Uh, some the, the amount of creativity in the world is just staggering. It, it really is, and I, I've been trying to stay. Really... I try to stay as unique as possible, but you know, it, it, sometimes it could be uh, frustrating to come up with something original or interesting. So I've been fortunate so far. Yeah. Yeah, you really have. Well, you know, people in the same field see things differently, and um, I'm always willing to learn of a new perspective that somebody has or to hear about a type of writing. For instance, uh, Gazel. I'm I'm not even sure how to pronounce it, but it's G-H-A-Z-A-L. I wrote one of those once. I can't pronounce what it is, so (laughs) I guess I could... I guess I could Google it and do the pronunciation thing, but uh, I, I just think it's fascinating what people, when I, I get inspired when I hear people on your show talk about, well, I wrote this and this style, and I did this, and I did that. And I, I, try to, I try to encourage it because, to me, um, without trying to sound too cliché, it's the perfect way to get outside of your box because when you're outside of there, yes. you're no longer comfortable. And oftentimes being uncomfortable is is the best way to have an edge to do something different. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I, I agree with that a billion percent. So I, I've been, I, I was just talking to John recently and he was he was trying to experiment with with different types of writing that explored – uh, they explored horror and, and, and psychological elements, and you know, and, and things they hadn't tried before. And, and he was he was happy with the results because, you know, um, in the end, he still was able to remain John, but he he brought something uh, new to it, and, and that's really why you you want to do that. Oh yeah, he's an incredible writer. He is. He's just his stuff is just so amazing, and to to see him branch out like that because that's part of the fun of this whole writing thing. You know, when I started writing and I put the first 10 poems down on paper, none of them sounded the same. They were all different. They were all about different things. And I thought, you know, I can really I can really dig this because I can really get all my thoughts out there and say things in a different way each time and be so totally happy with with the results. So that was pretty cool. It, it's the reason why I, I, I like writing uh, so much more than all the other art forms that are, that are out there. And now I'm doing, mm-hmm. I don't mean just because I practice it, but in terms of reading it as well, because I, I feel that 
when I read a, a good piece of work, I get more from it than even if I hear a beautiful song or, or watch a really awesome play or, you know, um, or even just look at a, a painting or, or a sculpture. I just feel I get the most out of reading as much as I get the most out of, out of writing. So to me, you know, writing, uh, I, I think that it, it's sort of like the, the highest art form in terms of able to capture the most of, of reality. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yes, I can see that. I don't mean that it's better or that it's greater, but I think it, 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 it's simply wider to capture the most of, of, of some of the things we would want to represent, you know, in, in, in the world that we have, because there's really only so much you could do with paintings and, and sculptures and, and, and music, you know, to, to, to really touch upon those. I think writing really gets to, to, the, to the very essence of, uh, of things that we need to be able to communicate to other people about that it's the only way we could transmit it. Well, because it's language, and people have told stories for time on end, even before, you know, papyrus and things, people, uh, the oral histories that people told, and um, just, yeah, there's there's just a lot out there. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Stories. It's all about stories. It really is. Um, yeah. Even when you're writing a nonfiction piece, if you're writing some history, if you're not putting stories in there, then it's way dull. <laughs> uh, you have to have stories. Yeah. No, you do. You have to have stories of, of some kind. I have a friend right now that is working on um, – Shout out, Cherry. She's working on a, she's a big genealogist, and she's writing about the history of her Swedish ancestors and things that happened. And she's finding out that she can start with the date and the place, and then her mind just kind of goes cuckoo on her. (laughs) Before you know it, she's got this story poured out because she wasn't there. There's not a lot, there's not a lot of written, uh, memoirs left behind uh, because these people were struggling to stay alive. Mm. I mean, they're yeah. yeah, some of her ancestors in the Dust Bowl in Kansas and everything. But she does the most remarkable storytelling with her work. Yeah, so it's pretty cool the way she puts it together. And she's got people talking to each other and she's she describes the scenery and uh, the details just just really fine. So she yeah she's a good writer. Wow, that's something else. Uh, genealogy. Uh, maybe we'll have uh, somebody on there that can talk about about that. That'll be uh, that'll be interesting as well. I know that's certainly uh, an art form and also a big uh, discovery, uh, maybe good and bad, <laughs> uh, of people's past because you know people uh, oftentimes. Uh, either through foggy memory or, you know, um, direct forgetting uh, can can fabricate parts of the past that, you know, you wind up finding something else entirely different. Well, she does an amazing job. We might even consider her to do your show. I think she would enjoy it. Now, having said that, she I hope she, she doesn't put her hands around my neck the next time I see her <laughs> since, I'm, since I'm volunteering her for but no, well, but I'm open she, to she, it, but I wouldn't bother the person, you know. <laughs> oh, oh I, I understand that, and I would explain that to her. She uh, teaches genealogy classes also, so she's she's got a real handle on, on where, to, where how to find information and how to teach others to find information, at least to get them started, and then to answer any questions that they get stuck along the way because 
Ancestry.com, it's great, but if you don't know what you're doing, then you might as well just yeah shut down the computer and go do something else. I watched that so. TV show, and I'm like, well, that seems so easy, and then you realize all the crap they have to do to figure that out. I'm like, oh, Lord. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, having to um, just make sure you have your dates right and everything. And then, of course, people change their names yep. to make them more American or – uh, the spellings were changed, and it's harder to follow the genealogy of women because they had their attachments to the guys in a lot of places, unless they were really, really famous people. Um, tracking down some of their genealogies can be really difficult, but she enjoys it. She has a fun time. Yeah, it really does sound fascinating, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, as always, uh, Linda, I, I'm so happy to have you in our, our literary family for all these years uh, as we continue to move forward, you know, together at Aerial Chart and, of course, on this show. And, and, and then with my press, you know, we have three books with you, and hopefully we'll have, you know, more to come here in, in, in the near future because we support what you're doing because just like John and others that I'm associated with, you, you have pride in what you're doing. And, and when you have pride in what you're doing, nothing else really matters in the end because you're always guaranteed that you're going to get good work and you're always going to be able to have somebody that's going to be honest to themselves, you know, as well as the world because that's what pride does because pride means that you give a darn. And when you do, you, you, you get the best work and, and the best foot forward. So I'm always so happy to, you know, be involved with well, what you're doing. And, of course, I have my own pride to be, be a part of it as well. Well, I, I really appreciate Soma Publishing. It's done right by me, and you have some really, really good writers that you've that – you, there's some great books on the Soma Publishing site. I think I've read most of them, if not all, and uh, got some incredible people there. So We try to stay different, you know, try to do things that are, that are not, the, not the same. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm convinced, though, uh, that um, for all the people we bring on board – you know, who do wonderful, just imagine all the other people that could do just as well, maybe even greater, and just don't want to take that step forward, uh, live in fear rather than did in faith. So I, it's continually my, my dream on the show that, you know, we can drag through those people out of the shadows and out to where they need to be at in the light. I would, yeah, I would love to see that. I, I, and I wish them luck, and I hope they find their courage, and the best thing they can do is just keep writing. I, I, I agree. Writing, I, because get it written and you like it, you're going to want to share it somewhere, even if you're only sharing it with your neighbor for now. But getting your your stuff out there is – That seems just, that seems to be the biggest task and the biggest fear because when you, grow, when you cross a lot of these people's paths, you, you found that they haven't stopped writing. They just stopped doing anything to let anybody know that they exist in, in terms of sharing or – Submitting or anything else, and that's that's really the issue right there. That's the the bridge they have to cross because you know they built up a pile of stuff and it's just sitting there, and you know it's horrible at that. Well, level. yeah, and I I guess the only piece of advice that I as a writer would offer them, not that I always know what I'm talking about, but I think I I think I can say this freely. They need to figure out a way to get the, all that stuff organized. 
And if they do, I think once they started getting it organized, however, just like I put um, the that fifth element together, you know, find a hook, just kind of sort everything into that hook somehow. Right. I think if they're creative in the first place, I think they'll find a way to do that. Yeah. That, that would be really fun. And I think that could be part of a, of a person's process. Uh, it is, you know, yeah. like you say, try to find some kind of niche, some kind of hook, some kind of some kind of place that you can hang your hat on just temporarily to, for you to organize things better because then you kind of yes. get a better vision about what you want to do. Uh, maybe everything you have existing, it doesn't fit in there. and You just have to create some new stuff to fill in the holes. Fine, that, that's a good goal and it's a good project. Well, that's very possible, and just because they start one way doesn't mean that they have to stick that. They may find a hook, and then they're looking at stuff, and they're thinking, no, this this isn't doing the job. Um, I think I'll change this just like some people change the direction of the poem they're writing if things aren't working. You know, you just you find what works. You find what works. But that, that's the fun part of it, too. So I wish them luck. I hope they can find joy in that at some point. Well, we, we, we do our best out there to, to send out the word and, you know, to put out the, the best thoughts and the, and the best practices as we can. And you're a big part of that because your interviews will help other people. In fact, I, for a long time, I was using your interview as, as my test template. Uh, listen, you don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to ask you about your grandmother's uh, dark secrets or something. Listen to the interview I did with Linda. <laughs> so I did that for a while. It really helped uh, until, you know, I had enough of a catalog. To where I can, you know, say, you know, see, we did seven shows on this now. So, um, and that was a big help because oftentimes, uh, people, when they get a hold, uh, get over their, their hesitation on, on many things, they, they tend to be able to speak, uh, not only freely, but intelligently and, and creatively. And that's what we want. And I'm hoping that's going to inspire others to do the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know that it's kind of, freaky to have somebody go on for an hour just about the writing process and stuff but if it paid off for some people i'm very happy about that. it did that it good. did and it, it, i think it's continued to going to be a useful tool for the future to help and instruct people we, we got all kinds of people out there on radio yeah. on the internet and podcasts speaking about all kinds of stuff i mean they did a two-hour show on on the history of the super bowl ring I, i'm not an anti-athletic person linda but i really don't care about the super bowl ring I don't care about it for two minutes. I certainly don't care about it for two hours. So if people could do something like that, then why can't we have an hour of something that actually might be useful for someone's life, like literary process and instruction? I, I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Why not? Why not? That's what I'm saying. Well, I, I thank you again, for uh, Linda, for being a part of, the, of our uh, publishing and, and literary uh, family. And, of course, being a, a, now a frequent guest on the show, which is always wonderful. Hopefully, we'll have to wait another year to do uh, to do another one. And I, I always enjoy having you. It's it's a comfortable suit that I can wear without feeling like I'm fat, you know. So it's a it's a great thing to have. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm not on in another year, I'll hunt you down. <laughs> exactly. I'll make sure we don't do it earlier than that. I promise. I know. Well, thank you, Mark, and thank you, listeners. I really, I like I said, I'm very honored to have been able to take this time to, to speak to everybody. And, so, and thank you I'm, also, Mr. Emily, for making those guitars and also for being a real big supporter of Linda. She can she can always uh, use that, so you've been really great. Well, he certainly is. I'll make sure he knows that part. You got it. Thank you, sir. You have a great day, and thank you very much. God bless.
You too. God bless. All right, folks, Bye-bye. that's Strength to Be Human. I interview with Linda Imbler. Catch that in, in, in early March. Take care. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com. <laughs>